Beloved of God, happy Sunday. Again, I'm Nathan Dannison. It's an absolute honor to be sharing a word with you today. I greet you, as always, with the peace of Christ. I, uh, I had really been looking forward to being uh, back in a pulpit today, but I got some bad news, and uh, a member of my household is, is uh, laid low with COVID, and so we are kind of all laid low here in isolation. I know that this is something a lot of you probably have already experienced. Um, I know, it's still frustrating though. I'd had really huge hopes for today. And I guess we're in a season of uh, postponements. Uh, but I can't find uh, any anything but comfort in the words of Jesus Christ in the gospel today. So let's dig into that together. Uh, kindred, let us pray. Almighty God, your grace is unbounded. It is unfettered by our geographic location and any distances that might separate us. Unknown to your love is any measure of isolation, and so Unite us again in a spirit uh, across the chasms that seem to keep us apart from one another. Tie us together again, O God, into a single garment of destiny for the sake of your kingdom on earth. Amen. Well, I personally keep pretty good track of the weddings uh, that I've officiated. And, uh, and a lot of pastors don't like to do weddings. No, that's a big surprise, but it's true. I've heard clergy folks like gripe and grouch about doing weddings. I've even heard them proclaim that they would do a month of funerals uh, rather than one wedding, which is bananas to me. Uh, but I think that most of them honestly are just kind of making things hard on themselves because a lot of ministers tend to take themselves really seriously. Also, again, don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, I, I, you know, God love them. A wedding is like as anything else to turn a minister into someone who might think that they're the star of the show. Um, to be plain spoken, though, I think that if a minister, a officiant, a wedding director is really doing their job properly, nobody will much remember them when the thing is over. Now, they're going to remember, hopefully, the two folks that are getting hitched, uh, but, you know... Hopefully not too much, the folks that were doing the hitching. Well, I'll take this a step further. In fact, if people do remember the preacher from the wedding, in fact, often um, it's because the preacher got themselves into some kind of trouble. I remember this story that my kin would tell me growing up about a wedding that they went to, all of them together, the, big, the, big, the whole crowd went to this wedding at some evangelical church out in the county. And it was in the 1980s. And the preacher, he got head up, and he decided it was going to be as good a time as any to, uh, to, to, to save some souls for the Lord. And so right there, in the midst of the blessed occasion of this wedding, he, he had himself uh, an altar call. He, uh, he, he sent his deacons out into the crowd, and, and he said, All you have to do is look up at me. Just, just look me in the eyes. I'll know that you want to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. I know that you're going to want to get yourself saved. And, and I'll bring, we'll bring, my deacons will bring you up here to the mercy seat of the Lord. And we'll get you saved. And my kin folks said that they'd all, the whole row of them sitting there, they'd never studied their own shoes so hard in their whole lives. 
no, I, I really do enjoy uh, performing weddings because a big part of what I do is I try to stay out of the way as much as possible. A wedding is such a beautiful thing. I think, honest to God, I'm probably more liable to muck it up as I am to improve on it. Um, this is sort of, you know, don't try to gild the lily and all of that. Um, but but and, and, and on top of this, a lot of ministers who do weddings have a lot of really strict rules. Uh, uh, you got to do it how I say or else, you know, or they're, they're, or most of all, they tend to be really hard on the poor photographer who's just there trying to do their job. And the minister says, you can't stand here. You can't stand here. No flash. Don't do this. I don't know how many rules. Now, I always, I know about this, so I always go up to the photographer beforehand, and I get, <clears throat> you know, burr, burr, burr. hello, howdy, hello, uh, I'm the officiant here, and uh, I've got pretty strict rule that I follow, uh, and I can always see them, they kind of get kind of tightened up, and then they say, um, you do whatever you need to do, uh, and whatever is necessary in order to take the most beautiful photographs possible uh, during this wedding service today. And then they kind of relax and say, yes, please. Um, and I even have a couple of tricks that I use to help the photographers out a little bit too. You know, I always teach the folks how to stand, you know, so their backs aren't to the camera. And you can see their faces in the, in the wedding pictures of the ceremony. And then I always tell them to, when the, at the end when they do the, you know, the smack over, do the kiss. I always tell them, you got to hold it for a five count at least so that I've got time to get, you know, get myself out of the picture. Because uh, nobody wants a picture of their of their wedding day kiss with uh, uh, some bearded preacher kind of leering over their shoulders. Um, no, I so do love weddings. I love doing weddings. I, I, I do them all the time. To this day, I'm very proud. I've presided at 141 weddings. Uh, today, in our gospel lesson, Jesus is presiding over what I think is a kind of a wedding in his hometown. It's a, it's, a, it's a service at the synagogue, um, and it's really, I would say, more a renewal of vows. He is today, very simply, reuniting the people of his hometown with their deep and powerful vows, their relationship with, uh, with God and with the year of the Lord's favor. These are the blessings of Jubilee uh, that the people are to cleave to and hold closely, and they're described by the prophet Isaiah. He could have come up with his own thing. He's Jesus, but he chose instead to remind them of the words of God and the prophet Isaiah that they would have all known as well as they might have known their own wedding vows. Uh, and he does it masterfully and beautifully, and he does it concisely. Uh, and, and he does it so well that the people are just, they're overwhelmed with emotion. They're amazed. He unrolls the scroll, and he finds a place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Did you catch that last bit there? I love it so much. He, I love it to pieces. He rolls up the scroll, gives it to the attendant, and he sits down. He's a very fine wedding officiant. He's come to remind them of their vows. He's come to remind them that they're all, each and every single one of them, a smack dab right in the middle of God's purpose and vision, uh, and, and something beautiful and important and blessed and good. And it begins with the individual. This is important. It begins with the individual. The words say, the Lord has appointed me. And you can say that to yourself. You can say it aloud. The Lord has appointed 
me, the individual, and then from the individual to the collective, to the community, to the beloved community, to the others, to proclaim what? Release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. God's word to one instructs liberation from that one to the others. And that's how we receive God's word. It is liberating to us to know that which we ought to do, but that liberation uses us as an instrument to engage with others, with, with the community. Okay, now God could have spoken through prophet Isaiah and simply said, watch this, I'm going to release the captives and I'm going to let the oppressed go free. And you get to sit there and watch, Isaiah. Wouldn't that be nice? But folks, this isn't a spectator sport. Uh, now the individual hearer, the proclaimer, is anointed by God's spirit and it is the work of the individual to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, the year of the Lord's favor. What a year that would be, right? Must be nice for them. They're in Galilee, living in the year of the Lord's favor. It doesn't really strike me much uh, like we've had many of those types of years recently. Uh, year of the Lord's favor. 2020, you remember, definitely uh, didn't feel like the year of the Lord's favor. Goodness. And uh, 2021, last year, I kind of was just basically a sequel and we're just getting into 2022. Yeah, I don't know about you. I'm not really picking up on some, some good vibes. I'm, I'm starting to suspect this whole thing might be some kind of trilogy. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that whole year of the Lord's favor uh, business. Now, it seems like, honest to God, we've actually had a couple of pretty lousy years. I mean, I'm literally preaching to you from my living room right now, which is... Certainly not a place that I felt that I would be preaching from in my professional career. There's a Latin word for this sort of thing. Well, of course, Pastor Nathan, there's a Latin word for everything. No, there's a fancy Latin word. It's, it's anus orabilis. Anus orabilis. It just literally means horrible year. The phrase came back into modern currency when Queen Elizabeth used it in a speech during her royal jubilee, which was her, her, her ruby jubilee, excuse me, which was her 40th year on the throne. And she described the year 1992 as her personal annus orabilis. And a lot of bad, scandalous stuff did happen that year to the royal family. I don't want to get into it. You can look it up in your spare time. You know something? There's actually an opposite phrase as well in Latin. Annus mirabilis, annus mirabilis. That means a year of miracles. Well, now that sounds a little bit closer to the year of the Lord's favor, I think. Annus mirabilis. One of my very favorite English poets, uh, John Dryden. Uh, now actually, he, John Dryden was the very first English poet laureate. Take that home with you. But he did write a very long poem called Annus mirabilis. It was a very long poem, about 70 or 80 stanzas. And so I'm going to read it for you now in its complete, uh, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that. But he published that poem in the year 1667 to commemorate the previous year, 1666. 
uh, which he claimed was the Annus Mirabilis, the Year of Miracles. And of course, yes, ah, naturally we all remember all of the marvelous things that happened in 1666. How could any of us forget one of the best years ever, right? Well, okay, now, let's refresh our memories. He wanted to celebrate 1666 because England had won a whole heap of naval battles against the Dutch. It was a really hard-fought war, and the deck was stacked against England, and they went out in 1666, and they just they put down a whooping on the Dutch Navy. And uh, what's more, that, that was the year when S Sir Isaac Newton uh, published his revolutionary work on calculus. He, that was the, 1666 was the year that calculus was published, as well as optics and his research on gravity. So it was a year of wonders and marvels, of course, but also it was the year of the Great Fire of London, which was then followed by the Great Plague of London, uh, which Twixtum wiped out a quarter of the entire population of the city of London. Uh, so I, I don't know if the year of miracles depends on how you look at it. Now, Dryden was writing his poem for the king of England, and I suppose when you're writing a poem for the king, you kind of want to focus on the positive stuff. My point is that determining the character of a given year is well, a season and dates, it's a matter of perspective. Um, I think it's like my colleagues, many of whom don't like doing weddings. They, they lack perspective. The assignment from Isaiah, the task that's given to the individual is to go out into the world. It's not so much to receive the year of the Lord's favor, but rather to go out into the world to the oppressed and imprisoned and blind and sick and declare the year of the Lord's favor. And to do so, I think we describe to them the beauty of the thing of the year itself. That's the, that's the challenge. Now, I said earlier that I'd done 141 weddings, and, but naturally, I've presided over a like amount of funerals. Funerals that I don't, don't keep count of how many funerals I've done. It seems a little macabre, dark to do that. Well, and so in weddings, in the days leading up to the weddings, I love sitting with the, the couple, and uh, I hear about their future plans, and how they got to know each other, and then I help them calm down a little bit, bring the, bring the temperature down a little bit, remind them that the wedding is a beginning, not a destination. And likewise with funerals, I spend time with the participant in the time leading up to the event. It's obviously not the same. We don't spend much time ruminating on the future, Often there's little to, be, little to be said with a person who's nearing the end of their life. It suffice to simply enjoy each other's presence. If you can do nothing else with a person who you love, who's dying, enjoy their presence. That's oftentimes what they want from you. I confess that a lot of the time um, it is enough to just be together because it's an honor. It's my honor. To, it's a serious honor. To, to be privileged enough to spend a significant amount of time with people who are, who are preparing to die. M most of the time, surprisingly, these folks are at their absolute best. 
And it's all I can do to keep from losing my composure. Sometimes people are the funniest they've ever been when they're preparing to, you know, head off. My friend Jim, one of my dearest friends, I've been helping him prior to all of this. I've been helping Jim prepare to move to Florida. He was getting ready to retire down to Fort Lauderdale. Um, and then he got a phone call from his doctor, called him up and said that Florida wasn't in the cards. He needed to get his affairs in order. And um, I sat with him for a long time, listening to his stories, listening to him tell me about how much he was looking forward to seeing his wife again. And she passed about 10 years prior. And then, of course, I'm a minister. So I started preaching and waxing poetic on the beauty of a life well lived. And this, I probably read him some John Dryden poetry. Uh, and he, all of a sudden, he interrupted me. And he slapped his hand on the desk. And I said, what is it, man? You, are, is it time? What's going on, Jim? And he looked up at me with wide eyes. He said, I have to cancel my garbage pickup. And I could think of another friend, another time, playing my part in his passing, my friend Tom. Tom had lost his vision and most of his hearing. And he and I would just sit and eat lunch together. We passed the time. We were having lunch at his nursing home, and I, his eyes, you couldn't see, they were fixed on this wall far off in the distance. He's eating his, eating his food. And I was talking about the grandeur of creation and the beauty of this, that, and carrying on promises of the gospel. And I got a sense that he wasn't really paying any attention to me at all. And I said, Tom, are you okay? And he said, I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm, I got distracted. It's just that this is the best damn chocolate pudding that I've ever had in my life. <clears throat> the folks I, I counseled before their wedding are looking out at this broad, empty canvas, this countryside filled with adventures. Those individuals who are preparing to say goodbye see something much more precious. They see the stunning and precious beauty of the everyday ordinary miracle that's sitting right there in front of them. And we can say whatever we want about last year, this year, years to come. Annus orabilis, annus mirabilis is year of Lord's favor, is bad year, good year. But the condition of the year in which we live won't make the chocolate pudding taste any less marvelous. It can't diminish for one second the joy I feel when my eyes are open to see my little girl's first snowman, first real snowman, that she built standing proudly out in the snowy yard. The condition of the year won't steal the red from the sunset or the beauty off of the roses. It can't do a thing to touch the everyday miracles uh, that we're absolutely soaking in despite everything else. No, Jesus says and reminds us today that when we're anointed and appointed by God to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that we 
We have the ability to see these miracles, and our job is to describe them to people around us, especially those who are hurting. Beloved of God, if just for this week, if just for today, in fact, I beg of you, just declare that this is the year of the Lord's favor. It's just, how could it be anything else when chocolate tastes so good? When, when, when the laughter in the midst of everything is so honest. When the music is simply music. For all music, all music is a miracle. Well, look close at hand. Jesus reminded the people in that synagogue that they didn't need to go any further than a few verses from the prophet Isaiah to remember that they're profoundly loved by God and given everything that they needed to save the world and declare the year of the Lord's favor. We likewise have been given our work and appointed and anointed by God to remind everyone, starting with ourselves, that this is in fact a very good year. It is a very good year because this is a very good world. And so each year upon it is indeed very good, the year of the Lord's favor. I, I, I needed to hear that today, cooped up in my beautiful house, preaching into a camera again. I needed to hear that today. I, I needed to be reminded of it, that's for sure. Blessed people of God, you are so profoundly loved by God, by your creator, that I believe today you will wake up to the beauty that is, in fact, all around you, everywhere. Focus on it. Find it. And then do what the good book says to do. Do what Jesus says to do today. Share it. Share it with those you see and those you meet. Call their attention to it. Remind them that they're surrounded by it. And that's it. That's, it's really no harder than that. We've got everything that we need. Well, so then now... I'll do what Jesus did. I'll hand the scroll back to the attendant. Do what Jesus did. I'm going to go sit down. Amen? Amen.